0: Investigate Joe Rogan, the podcast where I investigate claims made on the Joe Rogan experience. Today I'll be looking at episode 1379 with Ben Westhoff. Overall, I would say that this episode is accurate in the broader statements that Westhoff makes about the opioid epidemic, but obviously nobody can really know if he is Uh, telling the truth about these sort of little specific stories he mentions about how he interviewed this drug dealer and he you know saw this lab in China. So I'm just going to be looking at the general stats and things that he brings up. Maybe it's just me being overly paranoid but there's a part of me that doesn't believe these interviews really happened. I think it's because later in the interview uh, Westoff says that he wants there to be a narrative and he wants to tell stories which to me gives off this scent of gonzo journalism and that sort of nonsense but I don't, that really could just be me being too paranoid here I did however enjoy when he was telling the story of the the one uh, deep web drug dealer who he heard um tests all his drugs himself so that if, if it's a bad dose he'll die before he can sell it to a customer. Now he's you know he's an ethical dealer and all this stuff. And then Rogan just says, like, you know, all the drug dealers and addicts and stuff all have their own, you know, mental gymnastics where they justify everything, right? <laughs> I I enjoyed that that dose of reality. I'd also like to say that I think it would be pretty cool and aesthetic if at some point in the future the drug dealer from Shanghai who he supposedly went and met and saw his lab and everything if that guy finds out about this book and who Ben Westoff actually is and uh, killed him in the future if you've read the book the cyberpunk book Snow Crash, they talk about how what the Yakuza does is when someone disrespects them, they ignore it for like two years and then they kill you out of nowhere when you think you're in the clear and you think you forgot. So I think Westhoff should probably look out for this in the future. Then once the podcast sort of gets going, the talk about famous people who have overdosed, and he says that Tom Petty OD'd on fentanyl that he just got from a random guy outside a show. I could not find anything to back that up. He really did overdose on fentanyl, obviously, but I couldn't find anything that said he just got it from a random, like, dude in a crowd. I think that's sort of a disrespectful way to mischaracterize someone's death then they sort of get into the broader topic of the opioid epidemic and if you're looking for another uh, good podcast episode about that uh you should listen to the radio lab episode called the good samaritan that has a bunch of interviews with emts and stuff and it's pretty interesting the the first little thing that i um wanted to clarify was this question was left open on the show. Jamie never pulled it up uh, like I believe he was told to but cat, the Somali pirate jug is indeed illegal in the United States. So don't go around larping as a pirate. Uh, you will go to jail. They sort of start to touch on the idea that China could be allowing this stuff, intentionally as a sort of like shadow warfare against America. And he points to specifically um, China increasing the tax rebate on some of the chemicals that are used to create fentanyl. And this is true. They really did bump it up a little bit from 9 to 10 percent during the trade war or sort of the height of the ongoing trade war. However, they didn't just do this out of nowhere. The U.S. had raised tariffs on chemical imports from China. So you could just say this was a Chinese response to that. But I think it, it is possible that this is intentional on China's behalf. But I wouldn't say this is, you can't really point to this as a smoking gun. But it is a possibility. He then says that fentanyl kills more people than car accidents and guns. Now this is not true, but I think he just misspoke because the, the broader point he's trying to make is true. So the, these numbers are from 2017, because you can't really find solid numbers for 2018 yet. But in 2017, fentanyl killed 28,000 people cars killed 37,000 people, and guns killed 40,000 people. The gun number seems pretty shocking until um, you realize that 60% of those are self-inflicted, which is even sadder in a way, but sort of makes the world seem like a less dangerous place, I guess. But probably what he meant to say was that opioids in general kill more people than cars and guns which is true because 47 and a half thousand people died of opioid overdoses in 2017 and then if you want to just look at total drug overdose deaths that's 70,000 which is way more than cars and guns but also if you want to just start talking about preventable things that kill people Diabetes killed eighty-three and a half thousand people in 2017, and 90% of that is type two, which is the preventable one. So, just if you're if you're gonna play that game, I would like to throw in diabetes because I think that's an underrated killer, to be sure. Westoff also mischaracterizes the Democratic presidential candidates' stances on the opioid epidemic. He sort of just says like offhand, oh, they all just want to sue Big Pharma, nobody's really talking about it. And it might be true that they're not talking about it enough, Uh, well, when you look at the high death toll, but they do have have more fleshed out opinions than just sue Big Pharma. So Biden wants there to be a big public health care option, sort of like super Obamacare, and he says this would increase treatment availability and he wants to spend more on treatment and he wants there to be treatment focused on more over incarceration and then also he wants to sue Big Pharma and then Warren, uh, Bernie and Harris have all co-signed on the same bill that would increase the federal spending on treatment by a hundred billion dollars which would be a massive increase over the current level of spending. They want to focus on treatment over incarceration as well. They want to uh, create injection sites like Ben Westhoff mentioned. And of course they would say that public health care, which the three of them support, uh, would cover treatment for opioid addiction. And they also want to sue Big Pharma. And then Pete also wants $100 billion for treatment. He wants to force uh, private insurance companies to cover treatment for opioid addiction. And he wants to decriminalize all drugs on a federal level, which was another thing I I feel like Ben Westhoff would support. And then he also wants to focus on treatment over over jail time. Yang, as usual, has uh, weird opinions about this. He wants to boost funding like everyone else but he also wants victims quote sent to mandatory treatment centers for three days to convince them to seek long-term treatment unquote i don't even know what that would look like exactly but that's certainly not just sue big pharma he also wants a retroactive tax on big pharma and he wants to decriminalize opioids specifically So. There's all kinds of plans out there in, in Democrat land that aren't just suing uh, Purdue. To me, it seems like the actual solutions that Westoff proposes would not be very helpful. Injection centers, in my opinion, is basically the worst of both worlds. Drugs are still illegal but now the government is paying for people to do them. And then decriminalization, I really don't see how that would help very much. It just seems like sort of a half measure to me. It doesn't solve the cartels and the massive power they have. Doesn't solve accidental overdoses because of fentanyl being in stuff it shouldn't be in. Doesn't solve people overdosing, period. I really don't see how decriminalization is going to do much. Rogan, as always, is, quote, agnostic about legalization. But I really think that his prohibition comparison is totally true. And I think if you just look at the core of the problem, you should just ask yourself, why should something that doesn't violate anyone's rights be illegal? Why? What, what is the purpose of a law? I think it sort of gets at a more philosophical question. I think the, the way to convince Democrats that you should legalize drugs is to look at abortion. And you say, well, we should legalize abortion because if you ban it, people will just get sketchy abortions in like Mexico or whatever, right? and they'll agree, and you say, well, that's it's just like that with drugs, and then to convince Republicans, you say, well, we shouldn't ban guns, because then people will just get guns illegally, and criminals will st- still get guns, right, and they'll agree, and you say, well, it's just the same case with drugs. However, I don't see drugs being legalized any in the near future, because there's no candidate that that supports it. After general opioid epidemic talk, they get into more just recreational drugs in general talk, and Rogan brings up some miracle cures that any frequent listener will know are a common topic. The biggest one is Regenikine, which he recommends as the the cure for degenerative disc disease, and basically any ailment the guest comes on the show with. The, f- the first thing he gets wrong about Regenokine is that Regenokine is not stem cells. They do not shoot stem cells directly into your spine. What Regenokine is, is they take blood out of your body, manipulate it, and then they put it back into you. And... It's, it is not a miracle cure. The evidence is sort of sketchy. There are studies where it seems to be effective, but then there's also studies where it's not better than a placebo. So the jury is kind of out. It, it could turn out to be successful in the future, but there's just not really enough evidence right now. Um, but he, he usually just mentions like sort of anecdotal... Stuff with like various athletes, and then proceeds to recommend that everyone uh, fly to another country to get Regenikine. The <laughs> the other miracle cures uh, that he brings up in this episode, among many other episodes, are Ibogaine, which he says is great for substance addictions. Um, Kind of just like Regina Keene, the jury is still out. Um, There's not really enough studies on enough people to know if that's true. Um, MDMA curing PTSD is in the same boat. It's still a big scientific maybe. You can actually go online and look at. They're recruiting people for studies on it right now, actually. And then ayahuasca can help you quit substance abuse. Um... Rogan says it's very successful. Same thing again. There's some small studies, but it, it's far from being confirmed. Now, what is confirmed, and I, I was shocked to learn this. I had, I had heard this many times on JRE and just always assumed that it was not true. However, DMT really is produced by the human body. I couldn't believe it. However, the... Somewhat crazier claims made by internet people about this fact are not true. The quantity of DMT that has been found in uh, blood samples and things is not enough to actually produce any psychedelic effect, not even close. It doesn't have anything to do with the pineal gland, a.k.a. your third eye. And in general, it's a sort of mystery. Scientists don't know why it's there or how it's there. So I gotta give Rogan this one. This is actually true, and I, I needlessly uh, doubted him. Another frequent Rogan comment that was made in this episode is that being the president is an impossible job. He said, "Quote: Being the president is an impossible job. There's just no way one person can control every aspect of our civilization." Unquote. I I've heard this on many episodes, and what bothers me about it is that. That's not the president's job. The president's job is not to control every aspect of civilization. But I think this sort of points to a broader problem with how people view the president. The, the modern president is really weird because he has way more power than the founding fathers ever would have wanted, but he has way less power than the public seems to think that he has. The president basically gets blamed for everything. You know, the economy is doing bad. Oh, Obama tanked the economy. Thanks, Obama. And then the economy starts doing good. Oh, Trump, he saved the economy. Thanks, Trump. But the president does not single-handedly steer the economy, nor does he control every aspect of civilization. This opinion has led Rogan to suggest... Uh, crazier things in other episodes like just direct democracy via smartphone. And hopefully at some point a guest comes on and and tells him what the president's actual job is. After this, they start talking about 90s hip-hop and they uh, mention crack babies, which they say aren't a thing, which is kind of true. It is true that there are no specific symptoms that relate directly to a mother having smoked crack while pregnant. But smoking crack while pregnant does cause premature birth, birth defects, ADHD and like a bunch of other unfortunate things. But in in general it's just thought to be as bad as uh, tobacco. It's similar to smoking but actually not as bad as alcohol. So you'd actually be better off smoking crack than you would be drinking alcohol while pregnant, which was quite surprising to me. I would have never guessed that. They continue to talk about music for a while, 90s hip hop, uh, Nas. Rogan says that music from 2009 and 2019 is basically the same, which I think shows that he really really keeps up with contemporary music. He really knows what the kids are listening to. Talk about exercising is good for you, etc. And then the the last real error that's made is an interesting one, where Rogan says that 150 people are killed by falling coconuts a year. Now, this is not true, of course, but it is a myth that has some, some interesting lore behind it. It was popularized by shark researcher George Burgess, who was trying to make sharks look good by comparison. You know, sharks only kill a couple people a year. Look at coconuts. Those those things are dangerous. And he, he got this coconut stat from Club Direct, which was a British travel insurance company. And they got it from a 1984 study called Injuries Due to Falling Coconuts that appeared in the Journal of Trauma. Now, this study references just a handful of anecdotal coconut-related injuries. Not uh, no no fatalities, certainly not 150 coconut deaths. So, it is thought that this insurance organization just sort of made up the 150 coconut deaths number to make sharks seem safer to sell people on like traveling to South Africa and stuff. So it's, it's really a, a weird fact that apparently still exists in the uh, public consciousness because Rogan is telling it to people on the internet. That's really all the notes I would have on this episode. Overall it was pretty informative, pretty factual. I think again if you're interested in this topic the episode of Radiolab, The Good Samaritan, is really interesting. And hopefully, um, as I move forward here, I'll be able to make episodes faster. I'm kind of trying to aim for like one a week. I think that seems doable. And in the meantime, uh, be sure to take everything you hear on JRE with a grain of salt. I think people would be surprised. Really? You think so? Mm-hmm. I think you'd be surprised.